and welcome to the podcast at Dawn's House, because what the world needs most right now is a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. I'm Esther. I'm Karen. And I'm Aoife. And today we are discussing Mary Ann Saves the Day again, because our previous recording was cursed and everything that could possibly go wrong with it went wrong with it. So we are <laughs> re-recording this, which means that hopefully we'll be elegant and polished in a way that has never before been seen and never will be mm-hmm. again. I mean, my personality sort of indicates that's unlikely but I'll do my best <laughs> I'm I'm outlining what we're aspiring to here rather than what I actually expect will happen should we have jumped in and contradicted you there Aoife like no 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 oh, yeah. you're fine yeah that is what we sometimes I feel like there are cues that I miss oh no no <laughs> I mean like I think that would be kind of insulting to, to, to your own intelligence and judgment so this is fine <laughs> okay now that you point out that it's cursed I wonder if it's something to do with Morbida Destiny. <gasps> because you uncovered her secret. Yes. Karen has uncovered the secret history of Morbida Destiny, which we will totally get to. But I think you're right. I think she's cursing us across time and across realities. Yes. It's definitely her fault that I forgot to click record and that Aoife's washing machine was really noisy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she can she can only do fairly low level cursage, but like it it has held us up, you it's know, for pretty effective. It's been it's like five weeks. So yes. <laughs> yeah. How long has it been since Morbid Destiny, you know, was around doing things in these these books are written and uh, published in nineteen eighty six? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's been like thirty four years. That's quite impressive. Years. And, and a different continent. And from, yes. And a continent and across the bounds of reality. But even more unlikely, it, it suggests that someone, namely Morbid Destiny, is actually listening to the podcast. <laughs> Which is super impressive because we haven't put any of the episodes on the air yet. <laughs> well, she's a witch. She doesn't and a super fan. need an RSS feed to access this. She's watching us right now. So <laughs> we better behave ourselves. That's very true. We're very sorry. Sorry, Morbid. Now that we've established this particular ground truth, perhaps we should like, um, yeah, I guess we should probably get to the book. Mm. Um. All right. (laughs) Marianne saves the day, or as a certain person known to all three of us uh, described it earlier, Marie Antoinette saves the day. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, uh, you know, the way you you have that feeling where um, you're going into a class and you haven't read the book or maybe you have read the book but it was a while ago and you reckon it's probably going to be okay but actually when you get down to it you can't wing it and it's not okay <laughs> um and i can confirm that uh, that feeling is much worse when you're the person that is supposed to be teaching the class um so yeah that's kind of where i'm at today <laughs> um, because i uh read the book several weeks ago and was like yeah i got a pretty good handle on this and then various uh universe related catastrophes occurred and now um i read the start of it again last night and was like yeah this seems fairly familiar but i'm pretty fuzzy on some of the details so let's see how we get on okay i maybe i will skim through the plot very quickly mm. yeah and then we can we can sort of go back That's and good idea cool, cool. the details so uh this is the first marianne pov book so she mm-hmm. is do, she does the obligatory introduces everybody and the story opens with the the girls in a club meeting and Christy answers the phone and takes a job without running it past everybody, um, mm-hmm. which she's supposed to hang up and ask. And then they have to politely um, d- 
decide who gets the job and Christy takes it because uh, she gets to mind the baby and everyone wants to mind the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and the girls all lose their fucking shit. <laughs> everyone calls Christy a job hog and then realizes that Claudia is an even worse job hog. Stacy says that she doesn't need any of them because she's from New York, which is just <laughs> such a bizarre. Well, no, that was prompted by Claudia kind of out of nowhere because okay so christy got tetchy because she absolutely had been caught solid job hogging instead of going yeah okay Mm -hmm. fair enough let me call her back and and let's work out who will actually take it and call her back and say oh sorry it's actually gonna Mm -hmm. be whoever she just doubled down and was like well you're a real job hog to claudia and then (laughs) claudia just got super tetchy at that she was the one who got personal i actually have this marked (laughs) thing of it which is that like everyone is just kind of going well yeah claudia you do take jobs and they listed a few of them and then <laughs> she turned around and uh said to stacy hey if you're so desperate to have new friends here in stony brook don't argue with the ones you've got she made it personal yeah that's a low blow not that as was, not yeah not as low is, as yeah. marianne calling stacy's diabetes dumb like that's <laughs> so mean yeah i think that was marianne absolutely losing her rag having been repressed all her life up to this moment yeah, yeah. that would make a lot of sense you pick actually. a moment to express all your repressed anger and you call someone's disability dumb like that's so know, mean right? fuck you and your pancreas stacy <laughs> yeah your pancreas is dumb it can't even produce insulin yeah so yeah this so there's there's this whole fight which kind of drags on throughout the book um and yeah it makes a lot of sense what you say about marianne having been repressed um for her whole life um because her behavior is quite erratic (laughs) throughout the rest of the yes the the story where um she's she's really upset about the fight and she really doesn't want to be fighting with her friends but she's also um i mean she's she's reasonably she's honest enough to say that um she's also super mad at them yes um but well. she also deliberately keeps re-inflaming the fight in what appears to be a very um out of character manner <laughs> she's just like oh my god i'm angry i'm so angry and i'm just gonna lean into it to the point where i'm gonna pour juice into someone's lap at a kid's <laughs> birthday party because i just i just want to you know deliberately troll them Yes, is, is basically what's happening there. She's just like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna piss everyone off, and then you know, the next day she's like, oh, I really wish everybody wasn't fighting anymore. What if I write a nice <laughs> note to people and see if we can make up? <laughs> like last week, you were calling them, you know. <laughs> I think, I think that's the thing with Marianne, though. I think it's that, like, because a lot of the book is about her relationship with her dad, and like, mm-hmm. she's not allowed to be a person. No. Yes. Like that's yeah, yeah, basically yeah. it with Marianne. She's not allowed to be a person. At one stage she like uh says something about like she's like a doll or something. He makes her wear flats, he buys her, chooses all her clothes, he still has to inspect every outfit she wears in case she somehow manages to look mm-hmm. super slutty and unsuitable in a corduroy <laughs> skirt and penny logos. Yes. <laughs> and you know Yeah, yeah. Like she's not allowed to put up a poster in her room. She's got the stuff yeah. that was picked out for her when she was three. And, like, I think this is probably the first time that she's ever, like, just, just not herself. been good. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. And, like, it turns out she doesn't like it that much. But, yeah. you know, she's capable yes. of it. She's, you know, I can really get why she's just this weird mix of lashing out and just wanting everything to be back like it was. But, but yeah, right yeah, after yeah, the yeah. fight, she starts to write these apology notes. So this kind of sums up the, amazing. the mix yes. of it. Because she starts to write these apology notes to everyone. And it's like, mm-hmm. dear Stacy, or it's like, dear, because I'm, I'm sorry you called, I, I can't remember which of them it was, but I'm sorry you called me a baby. <laughs> 
That was Stacy. Like, it was, yeah, dear Stacy, I'm sorry you called me a baby. I hope you're sorry too. And there was one to Christy that was like, I'm sorry you're the biggest, bossiest know-it-all in the world. Have you considered seeking professional help? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I want to Claudia was actually an apology because yeah. she was like, Claudia hadn't directed anything at her. Yeah. But I think like her feelings were massively hurt by that because I think she knows she's a baby and she doesn't want to be one. She's forced mm-hmm. to be one. So like Christy just doesn't care what she wears and doesn't care what her hair looks like. Yeah. Mary I mean, Ann- I think also they called her a crybaby and it made her cry, which is like, Yeah, I know. <laughs> that would be so embarrassing. <laughs> I know. It's very yeah. relatable though. Yes, extremely yes. relatable. Yeah, she's just sort of used to not her feelings mm-hmm. not mattering and then having these direct attacks by people she thought she was a friend kind mm-hmm. of flipped a switch and she's kind of lashing out but she still wanted everyone mm-hmm. to be friends because that's ultimately what, what you do want but want. she also wanted to lash out because finally she had an excuse <laughs> yes to have these bad feelings that she just had to keep hidden from her dad because yeah yeah he was doing his best yeah well yes her dad is basically the dad from finding nemo only in human form i guess well actually the dad from finding nemo feels kind of more supportive yeah (laughs) like i feel like nemo had a bit more room to grow as a person or slash fish um (laughs) even though you know he he was very overprotective but he still sort of loved him and wanted the best for him you're not i mean you're not really getting that vibe from Marianne's dad. It is a very, very bleak That's true. portrayal it's of her. super <laughs> depressing. I mean, like, um, yeah, Nemo's dad, like, wants the best for him. And but so does Kato. Nemo's dad is overprotective, but also genuinely seems interested in Nemo mm-hmm. as a person and cares about what Nemo, That's Nemo's a point. interest. And sometimes yeah. wants to hold him back from things Nemo wants to do out of fear. Yeah. Marianne's dad... Mm-hmm doesn't know her and doesn't want to know her no i i don't know i think it's impossible to tell if he does or not but he clearly doesn't have a clue how to start how getting to, to know her just going by the posters things one of the things was very much that she had said she wasn't allowed to put up posters or if i could here's so i'm assuming they've had that conversation and she said dad can i put up some posters and he said no yes she's mm-hmm. not allowed to put up posters because the thumbtacks would make holes in the wall which like i don't think they're renting it doesn't make any sense to be that worried about the plasterboard if you're not renting. And yes, it's the saddest thing in the world. She's like, if I could do anything with my room, I'd put up a poster of a kitten. And like, yeah. it breaks my heart because it's the smallest dream anyone has ever had. But and I think like- that's it. That's why I think he's either- he never even asked her, why do you want to put up a poster or what do you want to put a poster of? He's not interested in her. There are two things that uh, particularly stood out to me um, from the reread, actually, which was one of which was um, that uh, she's about she's they're talking over dinner um, and he's asked about how her day is. And she's she's kind of called attention to the fact that they have very stilted conversations twice or three times a day for years and years. and They still have no really they don't really know each other very well but that um so he asks how her day goes and she's like oh yeah i got a um <laughs> i got a 99 on a spelling test but he interrupts her to say marianne please don't talk with your mouth full so it's like every part of this conversation is um just him insisting that she conform to this yeah. whole idea of um and then the second bit is where she she sort of goes upstairs to do her homework and she describes the bedroom and how it's uh it's basically not changed much since he was three and it's all about what her her dad assumes that she'll like um and how she's 
the way that the thing that struck me about that was that she is so resigned to this and she says she says that she specifically knows that it's because her dad has to prove that he can be a decent parent all by himself because her mother has died when she was a, a small child um and that uh she understands that um but the line i noted down the exact line it was um i know my dad loves me i just sometimes wish things were different and it was like this is this is just so sad and it's such an emotional desert yeah like, like does, yeah. does somebody you know mind her when she's sad or does she just kind of have to leave mimi yes or yes. mrs thomas yes yeah, that's she says it's been true, really yeah. nice to her yeah it's like, been like yeah. a mother to her she said but then again she doesn't have a basis of comparison so mm-hmm. quite possibly point. unless she's sad at a time when she's able to go over to a neighbor's house not yeah. really no yeah yeah mm-hmm. like i don't get the impression that she just deals with her sadness alone at the age of 12 when her mm-hmm. friends have all like her like cl- close-knit friend group have basically shattered so resignedly that I have to assume that she just deals with it herself when she feels bad about things. Yeah. She's not allowed... So, yeah. She, she, Her dad has set these expectations of what she is and what she does and doesn't mm-hmm. display. And mm-hmm. she rolls with it and takes care of herself yeah. if she feels bad. It's awful. It's incredibly guess- bleak. Yeah, she describes her dad mm-hmm. as a stranger she happens to share food with 16 times a week, which is like crushing it's it's so miserable mm-hmm. i think um i suppose having established this incredibly sad baseline um she actually <laughs> um there's there is quite a lot of emotional development for her in the course of this book which is really good um but some of it takes the form of lashing out yes <laughs> and i mean the the disagreement between the friends is very um they all clearly know each other well enough to hurt each other quite badly yes um, but at the same time it's sort of fairly yeah Un- understandable um especially yeah. in in marianne's case so uh, i mean i think this is very being 12 as well yeah it's just yes like, <laughs> i'm learning to express myself and my medium is rage right now and also <laughs> i feel really upset about all the ragey things i did but i'm still mad at the same time yeah it was like, it's extremely 12 year old everyone to fuck off and also to put their arms around me and comfort me <laughs> Yes. yes. Yep. That makes that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's it's very, very, very. Oh no, hormones. Yeah. This is <laughs> this is a mood. This is. Yeah. Um, and I suppose that like being the case, um, there's some quite <laughs> impressive manipulation that goes on <laughs> between. So we see all this. The babysitters going into school the next day and still being really mad at each other. Um, and the various things that they're doing and Marianne kind of discovers to her horror that um, Christy uh, at the usual lunch table that they sit at with a pair of twins called um, Miranda and the Shillaber twins the Shillaber twins they have names but not personalities so it's fine they definitely exist we definitely encounter them ever again Um, but they uh, yeah so they they all apparently sit together and have done forever and they have all like um they have not left a space for her at the table and they've actually blocked off. They've given away her chair, yeah. Given yeah, away so chair, yeah. She's, she finds herself um, on the receiving end of this, like, you know, ostracism and she can't sit with the other girls because they have other, you know... Because they're sitting with boys. <laughs> they're sitting with boys, basically. So she goes to sit by herself and be lonely and eating this lonely lunch that she has packed for herself. The description of the lunch, it was just like a, pe- a peanut butter sandwich 
an apple, a pie, or a banana, a packet of chips. And I was just thinking, that even sounds sad. Like, I just, like, <laughs> I can just see the cling film wrapped sandwiches. It's awful. <laughs> I know. And the thing about how, because I pack my own lunches, it does mean I never get a surprise in my lunch. I do get treats, but I don't get surprises. And it's like, oh my God, again, with the, like, breaking my heart with your tiny dreams. Like, you should have a surprise in your lunch sometimes. <laughs> But anyway, into this scenario enters the fifth babysitter, Dawn, the Californian who is a new kid and who assumes that Marianne is also new. And Marianne is like, no. I have friends. They're just all sick today. My friends are Dawn clearly doesn't buy it, but like (laughs) she's, she's, you know, she's willing to take what she can get because she's new. Um, So they eat lunch together and then Marianne kind of starts. So they, they actually become they genuinely like each other and they're like forming the basis of this friendship but Marianne is also like well I can totally make the other girls jealous with my new sophisticated friend from oh, California yeah. so um, so yeah that that continues throughout the book as I recall yeah, <laughs> yeah she's not above playing like mind games <laughs> which I'm kind of delighted like I said I think Marianne like like if Marianne decided to she she could be terrifying. Yeah, we yes, have we have voted true. her most likely to cut a bitch, and this book does nothing to <laughs> undercut that. I think, like mm-hmm. she she's for sure definitely calculating how to hurt people's feelings more than more than once. In <laughs> oh this. yeah, I mean, I think it's a good thing that for the most part she is a kind and gentle and well-meaning person because if mm. she was actually inclined to be a bitch by choice. Yeah. yeah, it wouldn't go well for whoever was on the receiving she's, end. She's well equipped to do that. She has got the ability. Yes, but she uses her powers mostly for good. Which is There's good. A, this one moment where like, she's really pleased because uh, Christy and Dawn are standing near each other and she gives Dawn a big friendly smile and Christy thinks it's directed at her and Dawn jumps up and is like, hi, Marianne. And Christy's like, <laughs> what's going on? You know someone that I don't know. This cannot be. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Christy is quite transparent, really. About yes. her, about her yeah. feelings. Marianne is, you know, the still waters running deep. Yes, <laughs> I think so. That's very, yeah, I think that's very clear. Um, one of the things actually that I just remember just there when you were talking about her, um, her playing people off against one another was um, she, uh, she, she wakes up one morning and goes, "Oh my god, what if they all made up and they're only still mad at me?" Um, and she arrives in school and she sees that like Claudia and Stacy and Christy are all not hanging out together, and she says, "Oh, I began to feel a bit better." That is <laughs> was like extremely relatable, and I would feel is. exactly the same in her. Oh position. god, it yes. is relatable. It's it's kind of delightfully honest though as well. Like, yes, you know. it's like this isn't how a good girl should feel, but it's how a human girl will actually feel. So yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Thank God I'm not the only one out. Yeah. Anna Martin <laughs> knows what's up. <laughs> um yeah, so I mean I guess there's a bunch of other points. The other um the other major event. Should we maybe like wrap up the oh, yeah, sort of the dawn arc first? Oh yeah. Um, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because not only does she get on great with Dawn, she and Dawn figure out that <gasps> Dawn's mother, who was recently divorced, went to school with Marianne's father. And they have a sort of like detective hunting through all their parents' old high school yearbooks and they find out that their parents actually used to go out together. Mm-hmm. And so they, Marianne sort of very elaborately has to like plan her moment and wait until her dad is in just the right mood to have something approaching a human conversation and ask all- him, 
foreshadowed, by the way, by the fact that she and Dawn discovered this while watching The Parent Trap. Yes, yes I exactly. love that. <laughs> it's so clever. Um, and she asks if he knew um, Dawn's mom, Sharon Porter, and he goes into this wistful reverie and <laughs> is like, yes. Oh, yes. I remember back when I used to feel emotions. Yeah. <laughs> this, this from a man whose conversation with his 12-year-old daughter was, yes, we're doing very well in the case at the moment. I think we should win. <laughs> yes. This case demonstrates the value of honesty in business. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Mary Ann to feel guilty that. that she didn't really remember what the case was. Yeah. Which, like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> If my parents had tried that on me at the age of 12, I would have been like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I know, I can just imagine my dad being like, yes, well, we were talking about these principles of linguistics last week and me going, uh... I mean, not gonna lie, I probably would have been all over a lecture about the principles of, linguist- of linguistics when I was 12, but yeah. <laughs> you didn't grow up with it, you know. <laughs> but probably not work politics. If it was social linguistics or language acquisition, I could see that. But like, not if it's syntax. Like, okay, not syntax. Yeah. No, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> see, that's but my point. phonology, though. Phonology. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll leave you back to you guys. But anyway, yes, Marianne's dad comes perilously close to experiencing an actual human emotion at the mention of Don's mom, uh, which is fucking mind blowing. So <laughs> eventually, um, they they sort of. They, they kind of prepare the ground. Dawn asks her mom about Mr. Spear, who who she refers to as Richie, which is another mm-hmm. shocking twist because nobody ever calls him Richie. And then finally, at the very end, they meet because Dawn's mom comes to drop Dawn over. And it's actually like extremely sweet and touching because they just like stare at each other in silence for a few minutes and like you can you can just tell there's like all kinds of montages going through their heads and whatnot and um, mm-hmm. And then he asks her out on a date, and they immediately, like, yes, like immediately, immediately. <laughs> it's like, um, yeah, he's been waiting his whole life for this moment. Basically, I mean, yes. Presumably, he's been single for eleven years. Yes, yeah. you know, and he knew she was. I suppose he knew she, she thought she was still married. Is um, the, it said that the main he, thing, but yeah, he lost touch with her after mm-hmm. college, um, yeah. and hadn't heard. She, she had moved her to since, California. So like, because yeah, there's no Facebook. So yeah, I was about to say they didn't have Facebook. <laughs> yeah. So they apparently they have out? mobiles. If they weren't writing to each other, then yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, he he to to give him his due, he wastes no time and like immediately <laughs> attempts to to move in there, and she's fully up for it, which is delightful and hmm. um, convenient. Yes, but yeah, very convenient. <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing the part of that convenience and speed is that like Anne M. Martin had absolutely no interest in writing about in detail about the gradual romance between two thirty somethings, seeing yeah, the eyes sense. of their twelve year old children. <laughs> it wasn't going to be a good focus topic for the Babysitters Club series. <laughs> no, that's a fair point. A spin-off. Like... It's also very sweet because he's like the world's most repressed robotic automaton and it's like mm-hmm. first he had an emotion and now he's trying to like hang out with another person who might also have an emotion and like this is this is you know he's made more progress now than he has in the 11 years since his wife died so yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah so they are um delighted to be uh like practically stepsisters at this point which um they obviously are going to again with marianne and the machiavellian mind games like yeah she's, she's just a is... puppet master here although dawn gives her a run for her money in terms of mind games um at about i think when the 
after they move in together, which is much further down the line, but I won't spoiler that, but I remember reading that oh, going, yes. I'm pretty sure that's gaslighting. Yes, but there's anyway. definitely some gaslighting <laughs> further on. Oh, yes. Also, um, I, I just, I don't want to forget to mention the, the peak of Marianne's like manipulative mind games, which is that she's hanging out on the bed with Dawn looking through uh, the yearbooks. Oh, yes. And they notice Christy in the house next door is looking through the window and can see them. So Marianne puts her arm around Dawn and then sticks her tongue out at Christy. And then Dawn hilariously catches her doing this. Like, <laughs> she's like, what she's are you like, doing? <laughs> Have you been using me to make that girl jealous this whole time? And Marianne's like, yeah, but like, yeah. Uh, Dawn is understandably very offended by this. It yeah. also sounds like more lesbian subtext when you put it that way, which makes you know quite a lot of sense yeah there's fanfic there is fanfic uh i mean if if this book was being written now you could see that reading being you know kind of (laughs) intentional it's like but that is kind of what marianne's doing and there isn't really we don't have terms for that in a platonic context but that is what she's doing or do uh frankly because especially when you're 12 your friendships are deep felt and all encompassing captain awkward probably has a term Yes, probably. Yeah, true. Probably. <laughs> For, yes. <laughs> Playing people off against each other in this way. Um, yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, Marianne gets her comeuppance and is like, yeah, no, I knew that. I knew that was bad, but I did it anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> I think she kind of does explain it. It's like, yeah, I know I shouldn't have. I was trying to be, but also I actually like you and I'd like to be your friend. Mm-hmm. So like yes. they actually do the thing that the Babysitter's Club should have done and openly talk, talk about, about things instead of just lashing out at each other. Yes, uh, yeah. and then and then giving each other the the silent treatment for several weeks. Yes, <laughs> and, and then the other thread of the plot is the actual Marianne saving the day thing. So, oh yeah, the babysitting. Uh, There's babysitting in this book. Yeah, so uh, she <laughs> Marianne actually makes back up with Claudia briefly, mm-hmm. but then Claudia, given that the emotions are well, kind of wrought and fraught, rather, and everything, everyone is um kind of everything is kind of tentative. She hears Mimi, her grandmother, call Marianne my Marianne and Claudia gets called my Claudia by Mimi and Janine doesn't get called my Janine. This is Claudia's special thing from Mimi um, and Claude kind of loses her shit yep. yes. and orders Marianne out of the house, I think, yes. <laughs> uh, in front of her grandmother, Um, which is actually also very, very understandable. Yeah. yeah. I think Having... Claudia feels like very much not the special one a lot and and she's Mimi's special one yeah yeah and it's one of her few special things and mm-hmm. just yeah I, I, I mean it's not nice or good or a good reaction no <laughs> I get it but I absolutely um, do get it yeah yeah but, Mimi uh has like clearly her heart has gone out to Marianne and she's like trying to give her good advice and tell her like no it's all gonna be okay and then then Claudia bursts in and goes why? <laughs> You're my grandmother. I mean, he is like, yeah. fucking 12 year old. <laughs> I swear to anyone. Yeah, Mimi is a saint. Mimi is a Japanese grandmother. An Irish grandmother would have just got the wooden spoon out. Yeah, an Irish mistake. grandmother would have been like, well, I wished would you get a hold of yourself. <laughs> Sit down in a room and talk about it. I'm going to put the kettle on. <laughs> Yeah, Mimi is Mimi kind of Uncle Iroh's this a lot. She's yes. very good. <laughs> Compassion and tea is the solution to everything. <laughs> and she, she's so patient. Like, she yeah, is so patient. I guess it's all the years of refereeing between Claudia and Janine. But mm, That's uh, true. That, yeah. She's super patient. But um, And then, um, so that was a bit of a tangent. Sorry, I just remembered that that happened. But um, 
Marianne ends up Oh, there is the dramatic Jamie Newton's birthday party where they all uh like have a huge fight and nearly like I don't know if I would have employed them as babysitters after that. Yes, they're so <laughs> bold. Again. Yes, Mar- Marianne pours yeah. juice all over Christy intentionally, and then Claudia mops it up with a tissue and then smushes the tissue in Stacy's face, which is <laughs> the most petty thing ever. Like Stacy hadn't even done anything, and there's this group of like horrified toddlers watching them going what's what's going on yeah jamie Um, starts crying i I think what's happened here is that um so yeah the 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 mom has uh hired multiple babysitters to help out at a kid's party which is a genius idea yes i actually may have to employ this in future um but they're all still fighting with each other and like no no it's fine we'll be totally professional and they are not Um, also they're 12 so i guess um but yeah i just i just love the chorus line of going mommy what are they doing um but i think all of this was happening while the parents were off i don't know drinking margaritas in the back or something i was wondering what was she doing (laughs) yeah i mean if there's four babysitters i guess you are just gonna have a coffee and relax yeah (laughs) especially she just gave birth Mm. (laughs) i've been like no dear you don't have a birthday this year I have a new baby. Yeah, you can have one next year. Be fine. Um, no, I, I, I did not do that to my child. <laughs> but I was going to say, if you young enough, you could have got away with it. <laughs> yeah. So the the party is a is a disaster, but I think the disaster is mostly out of sight of the actual parents. Yeah. Yes. Other than that, they pretty much they do get noticed that they're like not. Mm. Mm. acting normally and that they're having some kind of row and I think um, Jamie's mum is, is basically like okay clean this up <laughs> your yeah. babysit you you know you're here to look after the kids you come on you get it get it together kids yeah. get it together yeah. girls and <laughs> she's just realised that instead of hiring a team of you know adults to supervise all the children in her house she just put four additional children in her house and, and yep. now she also has to give them money <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they kind of, she got a very, she she gave them a very mod. I think they were yelling at each, at each other about who got to mind the baby or something. And she was like, come on now. Yeah. And they went, oh, okay then. And just kind of gritted their teeth and got through the rest of it. Tidied up. But yeah, there is, this is one of multiple instances where Marianne has like, really riled everybody up deliberately and then it's like, guys, we all have to pull together. <laughs> and I think, like, she gets away with it in ways where, I think I'd have like, oh, fuck off, Mary. Yeah. You're the one who started pouring juice. Exactly. Like, like the juice thing was completely unsolicited. Well, it okay. was unprovoked. Christy stood on her foot, but like. But it was an accident. It's, no, yeah, it wasn't. Or, was no, it wasn't actually, an no. accident. No, no okay, it was sorry. not an accident. The juice thing still feels yep. like an escalation, though. It really does. Because like, there's no way you can pass that off as an accident. Yes. Yeah. And, and you're wasting food that belongs to a third party who didn't do and it. And you're making a mess in <laughs> someone three. else's house. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's all it's a clusterfuck. Um, uh, it's it's funny, yeah. but yeah. It's, and then the the the, the saving the day bit is so she's she's minding Jenny Prezioso, and uh, Jenny gets super sick and has a fever, and uh, she she tries to call their parents, and they're not at their destination yet. And in this weird amendment to the text, they have a phone, but it's a cell phone, but it's not turned on. Yes, um, and yeah. When this was written, yes. it was nineteen eighty six, and you just couldn't reach anyone unless they were in a building with a landline, like a normal person. But uh, yeah, so they can't reach the parents. Tried to ring her own dad, wasn't there. Tried to any grown up she thought of wasn't there. Rang Dawn, called an ambulance. You know, got 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 Jenny sorted out, um, and that was her kind of saving the day. 
I can't remember how the plot thread tied that into the babysitters being friends again, though. It doesn't, actually. Oh, that's good. I thought it did. It ties into the relationship with the dad because the Preziosas call the house to say that Jenny's doing much better and that they're really proud of Marianne and she saved the day. And your dad is like, what's this I hear about you saving the day? And Marianne's like, oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I saved a kid's life today. Uh, no biggie. And he's like, okay, well, I guess you can stay out till 9.30 then. And he even agrees to let her not wear her hair in plaits sometimes. Which Oh, and she also gets to take down Humpty Dumpty and Alice in Wonderland off yes. the walls of her bedroom, which she has been dying to do forever. And instead put up her... like. <laughs> incredibly low key kitten picture. <laughs> pictures and and a picture of New York I think which yes. is like mm. that's suspiciously racy Marianne yes <laughs> don't you know the sort of things that happen in New York I hope you don't know the sort of things that happen in New York young lady yeah good point that yeah. would never happen in a quiet Connecticut town like this one <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, yeah it ties into that also um, she uh uh, when she can't reach anybody, any adults, she actually calls Dawn and Dawn comes over and helps her out. And it, um, they both manage to kind of save the day together, which is really um, uh, sort of a key element of the whole thing. Um, but there's all sorts of little touches, like she remembers to lock the door before she um, before they leave for the hospital and they remember to get her like Jenny's coat. But not to put it on until it's time to leave because they don't want her to get any hotter because she has a temperature. Yeah. So it's all like it's a lot of helpful pointers like she takes Jenny's temperature while Jenny is still asleep which mm-hmm. I think is not something that would have occurred to me to do to a kid even now possibly like I would think mm-hmm. oh you got to wake them up and it's going to be a whole thing but like she just takes her temperature and you know then mm-hmm. and they call 911 and the nice man in 911 is very helpful and he's not mad at her and he explains that like 104 does need to be checked out and it's not a huge emergency mm-hmm. but since she's only 12 and she can't drive he will send an ambulance to collect them and like again <laughs> yeah. it's very reassuring and it's like how to contact the emergency services in an emergency and cold compresses uh, all day and it's yeah it's it's very you know it's giving you advice on how to be competent Mm-hmm. Just thought about taking that temperature, right? So Jenny's four and it's the 80s. They didn't have digital thermometers. That was a glass thermometer with mercury in it. You didn't put those in kids' mouths. You put it under their armpit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she, I'd say that was like, would have had to wake Jenny up. Jenny was wearing frilly dress. She says she puts it in her mouth, though. Uh, well, that was bad advice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, because she might have bitten it. <laughs> bitten it, yeah. You know, with the little kids, you, you put the thermometer in their armpit. I was really afraid you were going to tell me it was a rectal thermometer. So was I. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're the one with the healthcare background. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, there could be any kind of thing that you had to do that we don't know about. My parents were, um, that's fair. My parents were not general nurses. They were mental health nurses. Uh, so they didn't actually have to deal with physical illness all that often, but they had had some training. So they did know where to put a thermometer. <laughs> yeah. So hang on, did we did we get through the whole thing? Basically, I think we've actually giant... covered all the basics of the plot. And we're only forty <laughs> minutes in. How they all made up again? I think is the only yes. thing we did. So, but yes, after the after the disastrous party, Marianne um, calls an emergency meeting at Claudia's house, and they all agree that they need to cop themselves on, and they do. <laughs> and because Don helped out with um, Jenny Prezioso, and because Marianne actually likes hanging out with Don, they invite her to join the Babysitters Club. So they have a casual pizza party slash job interview, at which Don explains that she um, has done lots of babysitting and she has also dealt with an emergency because once there was a fire, which is the mm-hmm. second time that Don mentions electrical fires. 
which feels kind of like interesting interesting <laughs> wow, it's like Chekhov's che- faulty wiring or something <laughs> because um, I-, I hope it's okay to spoiler this but the final book is titled The Fire at Marianne's House and oh my god I don't know if it's <laughs> an electrical fire or not <laughs> <laughs> but if it is, was Dawn involved? Yeah, it's my, oh my headcanon now that electrical fires just happen where Dawn is. <laughs> the farmhouse burns down and they find the corpse of Jared Mulray. Ah! Who the hell is Jared Mulray? He's the he's the ghost. Oh, the ghost, the ghost of course. Yes. He's the ghost of Dawn. Sorry, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. <laughs> Spoilers um, for books that were published in the early 90s. <laughs> <laughs> yes. People are still angry when you spoiler The Hobbit on them. And like, <laughs> that yeah, I, is a... Yeah, I, I at uh, least I, eighty years years old. I'm 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 a very big fan of the spoiler statute limitation. Don't be <laughs> bloody ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I I think we're probably good. But uh, anyway, yes. So we're going to keep an eye on that. And actually, that reminds me, we need to talk about the secret history of the Porter family. So, okay. Karen, this was this was your discovery. Oh yeah. Mm. Well, actually, this was my discovery. Or not my discovery, but my hunch back when I was reading these originally. And I was like, why? Um, so when we are introduced to um, Dawn's mother, she has reverted to her maiden name, I think, which is Sharon Porter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, we've had the name Porter before. And so my introduction to this this whole series of books was actually through the um, the Babysitter's Little Sister book, which somebody thought I would like because Karen... Um, has the same name as me uh and uh i read a whole load of them and they're kind of a bit simpler but they have obviously a lot more focus on the things karen is interested in which includes the next door neighborly witch um known as morbid destiny or her actual name is mrs porter who um everyone's like no no she's just a spooky old woman but karen knows better um and we know better because she cursed us across time and reality so yes um just having established that um <laughs> as a like obvious basically obvious um, yeah yeah um so i remember reading this as a kid and going is she is 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 Dawn's mother related to mrs porter and what cuz um we learned that Dawn's mother had moved to california when she got married or got married out there or something but she's now come back home to her hometown which is Stony Brook um, and that the Porters have been here for a while so um, what we reckoned when we talked about this last time is that Mrs. Porter probably is um, not Dawn's grandmother but she could be some kind of aunt or great aunt um, because otherwise Dawn would definitely we would hear a bit more about that connection if she was her actual granny but there's definitely a relationship there and it is mentioned that Sharon Porter comes from money and Morbid of Destiny lives in the millionaire district of town Mm. because she lives next door to Karen whose dad is Watson the millionaire so yeah yeah, she she, we have decided she is definitely some kind of rich witch oh yeah Rich witch relative. <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's really hard to say when you've had like quite a bit of bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> there is no other explanation. I mean, why? how could two people have the same surname and not be related? Says the person whose surname is the ninth most common in Ireland. I looked it up today because someone asked me about it. <laughs> well, it's Chekhov's surname, isn't it? <laughs> no, Chekhov's surname Chekhov. was Chekhov. <laughs> okay. That, okay, so that doesn't work. But you know what I mean. <laughs> we know what you mean, but also we're hilarious. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> you can't see the face that I'm making. Karen, that is a withering face. It's 
It's very weathering. I mean, I can see it myself. It's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah um, you know that emoji where the eyes and the mouth are just horizontal lines. Karen basically made that face. This is this is great. We should have some kind of facility for using emojis in everyday conversation. I really feel like we need them. I suppose we have yes. faces. <laughs> but occasionally, oh, no. instead of shrugging, I'll, I'll try to shrug in a specific way that is the shrug emoji, so people understand that I mean the shrug emoji, and not just. I'm not just raising my shoulders and lowering them again. I'm doing the thing where I spread my yes. hands out and have a quizzical look on my face. No, you know? they convey different things. <laughs> Karen, <sighs> I think I wish we could work emojis into ordinary life. Oh, wait, that's our faces. Is the most millennial thing you have ever said. <laughs> am I? Uh, yeah, I guess I am a millennial. Yeah, we're all <sighs> oh, yeah. millennials. Even we're me, old. I'm the oldest and I'm still El- a millennial. Elder millennial yes. as a... Uh, um, Eliza Schlesinger says exactly I'm definitely an elder millennial okay so we um, there is some stuff that came up in this one that's kind of interesting um, I think yeah I just I'm just sorry that because last time round um, I like said the thing about how I think Morbid of Destiny is actually related to Mrs. Porter and there was a great <gasps> uh, response which it, we just have completely lost out on because like obviously yeah, this is we, several we already weeks know old it. news I'm sorry you missed our, we our were, minds being blown. But. We were genuinely like the mind being blown emoji, is all I can say. Yeah. So Could you stop that. with the emojis? <laughs> no, I'm a millennial. Respect my culture. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so the, uh, yeah, my, my, my uh, scribbly notes from last week. Um, While you're looking at those, there's something that I thought of. Okay. Uh, yes, so feel free it. to keep looking at them. You don't have to like pay attention to me. It's fine. Um, I'm here because I like the sound of my own voice. Um, <laughs> We're all here because of that. That's the podcast industry. <laughs> oh, I'm very aware of that. I I mean, like, I might be being judged, but if I am, you're hypocrites. Um, so, yeah, I remember thinking, what would Mr. Spear, would he have been quite like this if Marianne had been a boy? That's an excellent question. And I think probably not. I think he's got this extra layer of I don't know how to raise a girl because I was never a girl. And yeah. like I don't know and and I guess that maybe explains some of the weird like femininity stuff. Like this mm. is this is how I assume a girl is. So let's just go with that. Pink. Decorate her room in pink. All of it must be pink. That's what girls like. Yes. She may not change it. Yes. <laughs> like, and Dad, I like actually yellow and navy blue. No, it's going to be pink. She must have pigtails because it. a girl has pigtails. And mm. she doesn't wear trousers because a girl doesn't wear trousers. <laughs> yeah, the pigtails and the outfits and stuff. And it was just like, I think part of that is that little throwback thing that Anna and Martin is remembering. What would a babyish 12-year-old have worn in the 60s? But also... That's really the the extent to which your appearance is policed, probably. I mean, yeah. you might have insisted a boy wear a nicely ironed shirt, but yeah, it's not I I think as crazy restrictive. No, I think this is definitely a a man who doesn't know how to raise a girl, and I'm guessing yeah. he doesn't have sisters either. She says um, that yeah. he uh, he needs to show everybody that he can raise a like a polite young woman as well as a as a mother could do, and. Like that is actually heartbreaking. There's a lot rolled into it, though, as well. Like, um, like the assumption that that's what a mother would be would do attempting to do, <laughs> as opposed to just kind of having a family life and raising a child. Yes, know? for yeah. all we know, Alma would have been like, "Fuck it, let her let her express her yeah. individuality." <laughs> She's yeah. painting a mural, dear. Just let her express yes. her. Yeah, she could let have been it. another Claudia. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Although I will say to, to give Anna Martin some credit, she clearly did some decor research because Marianne's bedroom is the most aggressively 80s decor. <laughs> um, I have it highlighted here. There's no crib or changing table, but basically the room hasn't changed since I was three. It's decorated in pink and white, which my father had just naturally assumed every little girl would like. Pink is one of my least favourite colours. The curtains, which are ruffly, are made of pink flowered fabric and are tied back with pink ribbons. The bedspread matches the curtains. The rug is pale pink shag and the walls are white with pink baseboards. Living in my room is like living inside a cotton candy machine. Like, <laughs> I can picture that yeah. bedroom from every 80s movie ever. Like, that is... It's, yep. it's relentless. Also, um, isn't there a character in Stranger Things who has a bedroom very like that? Oh, um, Nancy, yeah. Yeah, I think mm, Nancy's I think... bedroom is a bit like that as well. Yeah. But maybe not quite so. Because also there's a big difference between like a sort of a pale pink or a salmon pink yeah. and that Barbie color <laughs> that you get. Yes. <laughs> like some of those are more restful than others. I'm like, assuming it's baby in. pink because it was for the baby's baby room. Pink. Yeah. Because mm. he doesn't like hot pink or Barbie pink would be uh that would be quite extreme and a little racy perhaps. That would be that, <laughs> that would trigger the independent thought alarm, I think. Yeah. <laughs> like get me out of this room. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, think, no, I think yeah. you're right. There's definitely a gender element to his whole mm-hmm. deal. Yeah, I think he would probably feel less need to police a boy, not only because he had been one, but because a boy will not cause him to be judged as harshly if the boy conforms slightly less. That's mm. also true, yes. Because, let's face it, why does he do this? Because he wants people to think he's go- he's able to do it. To raise a, a girl pro- in whatever he assumes people will think is properly. Much like, I suppose all of pop culture and the world at the moment the more closely we examine this the more depressing it is <laughs> so yeah. but, uh, that's just a 2020 mood <laughs> it, it really is oh, yeah. like don't don't look too closely at it or it will shatter into a billion pieces but actually um while we're talking about gender uh, <laughs> um i i have some i something i spotted um and i think is worth us keeping an eye on for mm-hmm. um going forward is um so every time somebody calls into the babysitter's club to book a babysitter it's a woman um or as far as i can tell i i can't think of a single example when a dad has done it we did get it in the first book actually really which i noticed because i was surprised by it there was mr so-and-so called a babysitter so it 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 does occasionally happen but yeah it's like 90 percent of the time it is it is the wife calling that's really yeah. interesting. I feel like it being in the first one was particularly her making a point, being like, "Right, yeah, dads <laughs> sometimes parent as well." <laughs> yeah, because the um, there are not a whole lot of like unambiguously good dads in this uh, in this whole series. Um, actually, it occurred to me that the the sort of the most sympathetic dad character is Watson, who's Christie's stepfather. Yes, yeah, um, uh, because he he has like clearly actually tried to do some work in um you know bringing this sort of blended family together and making it uh making it work but like yeah um he's super understanding and patient with christy being like kind of bullish yeah, and tough yeah. going yeah <laughs> yes. but i mean which, and it pays off as well like, yeah, yeah, yeah and he's he's like really cool with it he's yeah just mm-hmm. kind of lets it roll off him because it's a 12 year old acting out because there's a lot of change going on and she's upset about yeah. it and he he gets that and he yeah, doesn't he handles it, like. it so well like yeah. and is is really good to her and there for her in a way that she mm. she she kind of he, he treats it exactly the way he should 
for her mm. to come around like he, yeah. he, he's really great he's really nice but he doesn't yeah. come on too strong and like he doesn't try yeah. to be down with the kids or whatever exactly and mostly like, what yeah. she ends up having to complain about is a he exists and b he does dumb dad things <laughs> like, <laughs> stop trying to be a role model for me <laughs> yeah stop stop nurturing yeah. me and providing a secure background you monster yeah he's 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 the best joe in town really um like so mr kishi and um stacy's dad are both um like they they both have these kind of expectations for their kids that are at odds with the kids themselves they're not terrible like they're they're there for them and everything but they're there's clearly there's some conflict going on um which is not i suppose unusual for parents of 12 year olds but for the quiches and stacy's whose name i can't remember suddenly the mcgills uh, mcgills yeah. yeah and the mcgills I don't think there is a dad and a mom. There is just the parents. The parents of the <laughs> yeah. They unit. don't yes. have distinct personalities yeah. and I don't remember them ever ever developing them throughout the course of it. They're just the parents. They're kind of just there, yeah. Yeah, and I think I think that's a, the issue that comes when we're talking about the other parents. Any of them that has a distinct and developed individual personality, it's mostly the mother. Yes. Or they're divorced. <laughs> or there's only one parent. Or, yeah, or there's only one parent for whatever reason. Yeah. I would like to give a shout out to Mr. Precioso. I was about to say, the only yes, exception. <laughs> his personality is being cowed by his wife, but you know, mm. he has one. Well, he clearly, he pushed back because, okay, we, we will do a full fashion breakdown um, because of who I am as a person. But yes, Mr. Precioso <laughs> is super weird and she insists on wearing like the first time Marianne meets them they're dressed in like super formal clothes and Mr. Prezioso is wearing his new ascot um to go to like a tea party I think they're going to a tea party which is also wild but yeah they're (laughs) dressed like they're going to prom or something basically and then the next time Marianne comes to babysit they're going to a college basketball game to which Mrs. Prezioso is wearing a cocktail dress yeah. and Mr. Prezioso is wearing like jeans and a t-shirt and Marianne like picks up the, on an atmosphere and thinks that they probably had a huge fight about him being allowed to wear jeans and a t-shirt to this college basketball game. I think he's game. wearing a polo shirt like yeah. it's collared yeah. you know. He's like he's not <laughs> being a slob he's just being like sports casual. I just had a thought about the Preziosos. Yeah. I bet they're younger than us. Yeah, that occurred to me because yeah, like they, they have probably, another yeah. baby and like their first kid is a, yeah, they have another oh, baby. Yeah. Like Jenny gets a little sister later. And oh, like right, okay. Jenny's only yeah. three in this. So like they're probably like 30 or something, which is <laughs> horrifying. Like, uh, yeah, I had always pictured her as being kind of middle-aged, like she was 45 and from an earlier time. And that's why she dresses like a lunatic. But like, yeah, they're probably actually quite young, which is just... What is her deal? I read this initially as um, Mrs. Prezioso is just a bit starchier than everyone else. Like, so, like, I'm I'm thinking of a couple I know where just the, definitely the mom wears a lot of kind of fancier stuff. Um, but it's just that she's, very, she's quite well turned out. And I was like, well, maybe this is just that. This is just the, the 80s equivalent of like, you know, um, kind of blouses and coordinating jewellery every day of the week, as opposed to me when I sometimes remember to wear my wedding rings um, and like m- mostly clothes. I just don't like wearing them very much. Uh, it makes my husband sad, but you know, <laughs> I'm not hitting up single bars. I swear. Like, um, 
so yeah I, I thought it was like that but um like she's just a little bit fancier um but no now that you say she's wearing a cocktail dress to a basketball like, game that's that not being makes... well turned out that's just weird that's, that's just that's just weird yes there's something going on there like <laughs> and also she uses the word whom in casual conversation with a child whom yeah she calls oh, yes, babysitter's yes. club and is like to whom am i speaking and marianne is like what <laughs> <laughs> random mm. so yeah anyway yes mrs Preziosa is weird yes yeah. we, we super that. weird and and i find their whole dynamic fascinating <laughs> even <laughs> even as a kid i felt quite sorry for mr Prezioso because i feel like he'd be happier with someone else but like yeah oh i want to do like a fake agony aunt letter from his perspective <laughs> <laughs> Dear Reddit relationships. Let's keep an eye out for the Preziosos in like later books and just see like where this whole thing goes. Oh yeah, I'm um, I'm gonna be taking full notes on everything he wears always. Fantastic. Gauging <laughs> like the state of their marriage by whether he's wearing his new ascot or not. <laughs> but I, I think he's fairly he's fairly special in terms of the series, uh, by virtue he's of a having dad of a personality. A personality. Yeah. Um like the spokesperson for most of the families is the mother. Yes. Uh, even even Doctor Johansson, who oh, yeah. works and is and is said in in text to be very busy because she works at the hospital. Mm-hmm. I I don't remember Mister Johansson, other than I know he exists and has been mentioned, and he possibly has a line the odd time in the books because he's organized. But it's it's still Doctor Johansson that is the face of that family. Yeah. Um. And at best, they get kind of equal as the parents, neither of whom really is a person. Yeah. I mean, on the one hand, the dads in this town need to, like, step up and do part of the scheduling work, which involves remembering at 4pm on a Wednesday to ring the Babysitter's Club, which Mm -hmm. is emotional labour that the moms are all doing. Um, But on the other hand, we have a very matriarchal society being represented here. That's true. (laughs) The ladies are pulling all the strings and making all the decisions. And and if I want to hire four babysitters for the kids' birthday party, I'm not going to ask my husband's permission. <laughs> I'm just throwing money around here. Yes, I mean this is this is fine. It's it's far below minimum wage because <laughs> they're twelve. I I think I mean, but I think the obviously the reason it seems like that is because the only decisions we see are through the eyes of twelve year olds who are there solely to look after small children. That's mm-hmm. true. Also, I'm blown away by how busy their social lives all are. Yes. Like, I know. The- and also how early they all are able to come home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, the babysitters can't stay out past 9.30 because if you want someone who can stay out past 9.30, you have to hire a bad girl who's going to smoke and have sex with her boyfriend in the den or whatever. So, <laughs> Hey, those books never said had sex. They just said that her boyfriend was there. Actually, they just implied strongly that her boyfriend was there. Wait. They implied that boyfriends <laughs> existed. <laughs> Isn't that enough to never hire that person again? Totally. Yes. Okay. Here, here's my theory. Everybody lives within walking distance of everybody else. And so you have to socialize with everyone because you have no excuse not to. But you secretly hate them. Um, and so you're like, oh, God, their preziosas are having another fucking cocktail party that I have to go to. I bet their cocktail parties are excruciating. <laughs> they, they absolutely are terrible. But actually, in this book, the Newtons are hosting a cocktail party and they have a babysitter in the house to mind the baby while they're at the cocktail party, um, which also is probably not a terrible idea but i i don't know if i would have wanted but yeah these, like these parents have like so many social events and i'm very jealous of them they're all things that they have to do 
because you're expected to because it's a tiny town where you can walk everywhere and everybody knows everybody um and so you have to go and eat canapes yeah they don't have to go see the mortgage advisor or like go to the gynecologist or whatever it's always like <laughs> i have to go do oh, fun stuff and i can't bring my kids for reasons i, so. <laughs> I think a lot of the time it says errands and and then yeah, when it, it says errands i'm like mm. okay my mom used to just put me in the car like yeah actually you can ch- you can take a kid with you to the supermarket that's why the trolleys have like a thing baby um, seats yeah they're baby seats in them uh so like, yeah no they're they're up to something there's something weird going on in this town some kind of conspiracy <laughs> Oh no, just tons. They're all swingers. There's just tons. <laughs> just parties. All I'm impressed the by time. the Newtons getting back into it with a very, very tiny very baby. Early. Like, I mean, that's, yeah. Well, you know, you've got to do the things that make you feel like you. And it's, yeah. that's, that's how you, <laughs> you mean, know, you get back into your, I also like your own life. If they have these many swing parties, probably at any given one, there's a subset of people who aren't in the mood at the time and they just socialize and chill. <laughs> That's true. And I mean, it would explain dressing up Sounds so true. glam as well. Like a black silk cocktail yeah. dress makes a ton more sense all of a sudden. Oh. So they, hang on, she was, they went to a basketball game in air quotes, but actually she rang the gymnasium no that they, was actually a basketball yeah, that had to game be an actual in a sports sector game. that's okay well i so don't I think, know yeah. we only have her word for it that it was a gymnasium they were calling like you know all you have to do is say like if anyone calls looking for me the cover story is that i'm at a basketball game so like pre- pretend <laughs> yeah. you're a concierge at a gymnasium whatever that would sound like yeah. okay we've cracked it guys yeah <laughs> I, I suppose it you know it explains why she's so mad at him for wearing jeans <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm I trying mean, to impress people. I won't be able to hive you off to someone else's wife. Like, Nobody is going up. to want to sleep with you unless you present yourself better. And how is that going to reflect on me? Exactly. <laughs> or possibly like, on, I don't know his name. I'm going to call. I'm. 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 I'm going to call him Donald. Honestly, Donald. We know we have had our eye on the who? What's Jamie? The, the, the Newtons. The Newtons. On the Newtons for months. And we are not going to bag them if you look like that. Put I'm the also, cravat on! Yeah. Wear your ascot. You know she really liked that look. Sorry, it wasn't ascot. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I just, I'm also imagining not so much necessarily as just pure swinging as just sort of group sex or, you know, just like they're just going for it. It's great. There's probably kinky stuff going on, you know. Yeah, I think we, we don't need to commit to a, a specific form know, of sex party that they're going to. I think to say, I don't have a visual imagination, by the way, and I'm just going to, I'm sorry to anyone who does. Well, thanks. I'm also quite grateful for that, not having one of those. I do, but I can choose not to employ it. And I am not employing it. <laughs> So we're just torturing Karen here, basically. Yep. So going, going. I suppose in future now we have to acknowledge that um, this little Connecticut town is enlivened by um, the filth. occasional burglary and lots of filth. Yes. So, yeah. and that's just... why they employ children all the time to babysit their children so that they can go out and run errands. Oh no, Esther! I hope you're going to edit this with a very heavy hand. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> this is what the explicit tag is for. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it explicit? No, but there we go. I mean, we oh, already man. swear enough to merit the explicit tag, so that is entirely fair. Ooh, we don't fuck, 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 fuck. We might as well get it, get mileage in. Oh, Karen, you're wild. 
All right, I'll tone it down, but I'm not promising to completely remove the insinuation. Cool. Okay, I think t- removing like all of the fantastic detail we went into that I went into, I'm really sorry. I'm not that sorry, but I'm a little bit sorry. It was very it was funny fine. and we were kind of encouraging you. Or I was. I think it's far more likely that they're going to extremely boring cocktail parties that they want to get out of by 9pm, which is why you hire a 12-year-old who you have to then take home afterwards. I just prefer to believe that they're having a good time. (laughs) I I guess we live in different worlds. I want the best for them, Karen. (laughs) Is that so much to ask? Anyway, yes, they... they, uh, it It would make a lot of sense. It doesn't sound like there's a lot going on in Stony Brook apart from tea parties. Except for it having all of the, like whatever is needed to make this plot work for the town like a hospital it can't be that small it has a hospital yeah it has a even a satellite university is a it's a kind of a thing it's got a university campus it's got a hospital it probably has yeah it's it's weird that it's i think it's not quite everyone's in walking distance because i think at one stage it was like oh i would have to ride my bike there yeah so where watson lives is yeah pretty yeah yeah, but like uh, at the same time, it's it's like it's a small town, but it has a- anything it needs for any plot purposes at any time. Yes, I'd be really mad if we discover, like, in the fullness of time, that Stony Brook is the size of Dublin. Oh come on! <laughs> like, I don't think so, because they still, even in the later books, they have to go to bigger towns to do some stuff. Like, I think Jessie's yeah. ballet isn't in Stony Brook. Yeah, she oh, goes to not? Stamford. Ah, she goes okay. to Stamford for yeah. that, and Stamford is like one of the big, the big town in Connecticut I think yeah yeah oh Stamford is a real place yes oh yes. wow I did not know that yeah yeah no it's That's definitely cool. real um which yeah. led me as a kid to think that Stony Brook was real and I remember like pouring it through a map of Connecticut trying to find it and being really annoyed that I couldn't <laughs> find it oh yeah anyway sorry we're <laughs> shall we talk about the outfits uh yes, yes. okay yes. of course we must it's the rules you've got to talk about the outfits okay so we have um a rundown of how incredibly glamorous stacy is um she's allowed to have her hair professionally styled which we have all decided mm. means she has a huge 80s perm um <laughs> and she wears the yeah. coolest clothes mm-hmm. big baggy t-shirts and tight-fitting pants and amazing jewelry like parrots and palm trees she even has a pair of earrings that consist of a dog for one ear and a bone for the other ear which is adorable um, but the big baggy jeans and tight-fitting pants, she sounds like basically a visco girl. Um, yeah. You could you could totally see, see her pulling that off now. Scrunchies, yep. Marianne fantasizes about what she'd wear if she was allowed to dress cool like Stacey. Oh. Which again, it's, it's just not that ambitious and she should be able to do this. She says, just mm-hmm. once I'd like to go to school wearing skin-tight turquoise pants, Stacey's island shirt with flamingos and toucans all over it, and maybe bright red high-top sneakers. I'd like to create a sensation. That is such a low bar for a sensation. <laughs> but you could also, you could wear that now. Yes, I'm sure. you absolutely yeah. could wear that now. It's just I quite like... like that. <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds totally fine and totally cromulent and really not that shocking. Like, it's not like she's wishing she could go in like a leather miniskirt or something. This is like, she, she wants to wear leggings and a baggy t-shirt. She wants to dress like an 80s girl because she is an 80s girl. And like, she yes. wants to wear trousers. Yes, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yes. 
She wants to dress like she's not a six-year-old in 1968, basically. Which is mm. entirely fair. Then we have, yes, lots lots more Prezioso clothes. So Jenny is dressed like basically a creepy Victorian china doll <laughs> in a frilly white Constantly. dress trimmed with yards of lavender lace and ribbon matching lavender socks and shiny black patent leather Mary Janes. Her hair had been curled. Who the hell has time to curl a three-year-old's hair? Like, there's like, so many other things I would want to get done in my day before I started curling the toddler's hair. The thought of bringing a curler near my toddler brings me out in a cold sweat. Yeah, but like, it's super dangerous. No, they do like rags, not not oh, not Jesus. a curling iron. Like, they tie it in rags at night. I, not every day, but definitely when I was small, I knew some some kids whose little siblings would occasionally they would, they would get their hair curled. Oh yeah, if you were dancing in a fest, you had to have your hair curled for it. Okay. Yeah, now they just do those yes. fake bits of curls that they tie on. But no, no, they, you would just, but it would just be tied up in around in rollers rags, yeah. or in rags at night. See that I'll allow as oh, a, I wouldn't do it yeah, for but but if it was for if it's for a feckin' like communion yeah, you but know? you wouldn't do it for sitting around your house yeah like, jenny's no. not going anywhere she's staying in with a child and not being seen yeah. by anyone it's bizarre i think jenny's mother really wanted a doll not a child yes i think so i think jenny's mother possibly also wants to be a doll by the end of it like she... i mean that's a thing these days everything's a thing these days i'm i'm just wondering though if um is this is this a thing that we are not recognizing because it appears in a different form nowadays is is this like an instagram mom jenny Pre- oh. uh, mrs preziosa will be on instagram she would definitely like, be on instagram and she would definitely sell essential oils as a side hustle but <sighs> but even with instagram like you put the cute clothes on the kid you take the photo and then you like are like okay take that off before you ruin it you know all the clutter is behind you when you take your photos for instagram <laughs> that's i don't really instagram but I know yeah, how no, it yes. works. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it's all fake and everyone understands that. That's I the thing you. though. It, at least Instagram moms have an audience. Mrs. Prezioso, like who is she doing this for? There's only Marianne there to see her. Yeah, that's sad. Instagram at least gives you an outlet. Yes. Like, She's got some kind of super control thing going on. Yes. Everything must look the way she thinks it should look. Exactly. <laughs> Did people start doing this a long time before social media came along? And then when social media arrived, they're like, oh, I've trained for this day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> All I need to do is present this image to the world. And not just to my, my unappreciative husband. Who doesn't? Yeah. Who really wants to have no part of all of this? Yes. By the sounds of it. My unappreciative husband, who insists on sometimes wearing jeans. <laughs> oh gosh, she married beneath her, obviously. Well, actually, I want that could be true, actually, because they um they explain in the book that the reason for Sharon Porter and Richard Spears not um like getting together was to do with the different families yeah like it was the incomes and whatever so yeah. maybe maybe stony brook yeah. is also like there's a there's a tracks going through the middle of it and there's one side and the other side maybe that's happening here or maybe this town is just infinitely malleable to whatever is maybe the plot, as you and one out. one side of stony brook is like solidly upper upper middle class and one side of it is merely upper middle class <laughs> <laughs> and you know my my brain automatically makes the cast a little bit more diverse but i have to keep stopping it from doing that because we know that there's actually no black it, people until jesse's family moved yes to town, like if that. anyone's ever not white the text will say yeah. oh yes it will for some reason i always pictured the johansons as being like interracial 
which I have absolutely no idea where I got that from because like if they were not white we would have been told repeatedly that they were not white I mean I was enough of a child of 1980s Ireland uh, that it never occurred to me to imagine anybody as anything other than white unless the text told me to Uh, so that had not occurred to me at all we should wind this up yeah, Sorry, well, we're getting, probably needs to go to bed. <laughs> we're getting close to our our cutoff time, so I'm just gonna click through. Okay, we've we've done the outfits. Yeah, um, we've done the life lessons, which are that if you want to get your own way, you have to save someone else's life, and then people will be so impressed that they give you whatever you want. Also, if you fall out with your friends, you need to go all out on pulling Machiavellian mind games and orchestrating things in a sort of virus style and it'll be fine. Not really. That solves nothing. But it'll be really fun to read about. It will. Like, yeah, you probably should, to be fair. Mary Ann did save the day after all. Exactly. Sooner or later, someone's going to catch you and call you on your bullshit. And then you're going to have to apologise. Actually, that's a pretty good life lesson for Machiavellian mind games. And I think the other <laughs> the other lesson is probably, like with Marianne and sometimes people will be blinded by their own thoughts and feelings and will not listen to you. When you think they might be more receptive, if you can stay calm and talk calmly to them about your needs, they might listen to you then. Also, it super helps if you can save a child's life. Save a that child's life. This will really put them good into that receptive chip. mood. Yeah. Yeah, that is I mean, that is the only way to get your curfew extended. I guess these are. This is the babysitters club, and it yeah. is life through the lens of babysitting. So yeah, you can only achieve your life goals through the medium of babysitting. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not the worst lesson we've had so far. Really realistic depiction of the twelve year old friend group fight, and some some fun foreshadowing of um you know. Uh, times to come in which uh, Dawn is heavily implicated and I like Dawn so I'm happy about that (laughs) and I like fires so (laughs) there's something for everybody Uh, also yes Morbid Destiny is Dawn's estranged millionaire aunt and she is cursing us and so we'd better behave ourselves did we mention that Marianne was going to cut a bitch (laughs) (laughs) we we brought it up but yes Marianne remains this week's most likely to cut a bitch definitely (laughs) and that's this week's episode and stay tuned for next week to see whether Marianne cuts a bitch My mind's kind of blown by the fact that Galway is smaller than Limerick. I really had not realised that. Like, Tiny, yeah. And that's how we pivoted to becoming a geography podcast. <laughs> that's not. <laughs> <laughs> because apparently I'm really bad at it. <laughs>